When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on the show, Heath Schuler and uh, how about Chris Landry? Let's get rolling with Amanda LaPrada. I'm Dave Hooker. Here we go off the exports. What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who? Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about tennis athletics. Always available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart. Like, share, follow, subscribe. Always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All righty, Amanda LaFrada, here we go. And in case you needed a reminder, Tennessee's in pretty good shape. And you're seeing coaching staffs across the nation begin to crumble like Tennessee had done back in the past. But Tennessee is in a way, way, way different spot. So that is good news for the balls. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? I'm doing well, Dave. How are you? I'm well. You sound a little uh, uh, snuffly, sniffly, congested. Yeah. How are you feeling? I'm pretty good. Just a little. I think it's the weather changing. It's typical. Yeah, and you were telling us, too, this is the last time we have to go through the stupid thing called daylight savings time, which is good, right? Yes, I believe that's good. That's my opinion anyway. I agree with you as well. So we have got a lot to get to on the program today. And let's uh, start with Tennessee becoming slot wide receiver U. They were known for years and years and years of being receiver U. But it seems as if, Amanda, to me, that it's become slot receiver U. And I wonder if this will be a trend or if this is just the way that things have shaken out with Tennessee's offensive staff because you had Bellis Jones last year. Now you have Jalen Hyatt. You have Squirrel White, who they'll get more playing time out of being a true freshman and not a coaching transition. So maybe slot receiver you. Maybe that is uh, where this program is designed to go. Now I say that with Cedric Tillman on the bench. It's not as if he's going to just not catch passes at the wideout position, but Amanda, this this coveted position of slot receiver has proven that it can be very, very productive. And if I'm a Tennessee player, that's where I want to be if my skill set fits that position. It used to be we viewed the slot as the third best receiver. We don't view that as that anymore, especially not in Josh Heupel's system. It's just another receiver. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Josh Heupel really makes this position what it is at Tennessee. I think that it's um, he has turned it into something that is necessary, something that will be used a lot, and I think that will make the makes all the difference really because we've seen how well Jalen Hyatt's done. I mean, we've seen he's breaking he's breaking records, and I know that Jalen Hyatt is a a special talent, but how special of a talent really is he? Or is this hypo offense is, is what's making Jalen Hyatt so good? I think it's a little bit of both. I think he has special speed, but do I think he's an elite route runner? I don't think we've, he may be, but I don't think we've had to see that. So at this point, I think you would lean towards Josh Heupel is is getting guys open in the slot. And let's remember with the wheel route that they run, which is when a slot receiver will go outside like it's an out and then wheel it up the sideline. I mean, that is that's pretty special stuff. And it's hard to get those guys open, but Tennessee has been able to do that again and again. But I go back to and, and Caleb Calhoun wrote about the slot, and it's on offthehooksports.com. And I, I think they could end up getting more out of the slot with Squirrel, Squirrel White than Bellis Jones or than what they are getting currently out of Jalen Hyatt because he will have been in the program for longer as a true freshman. I think the Squirrel White in the slot receiver is going to be an exciting thing to watch next year in particular, but in the coming years to come. It almost reminds me of <clears throat> kind of the – I don't know the Jalen Waddle thing at Alabama. That's that's what Squirrel White reminds me of because Jalen Waddle was or Devonte Smith. They're both fairly decently small, but so fast. They're so fast. Jalen Waddle, especially, I think he was the fastest guy on Alabama's team, and and you see him at the Dolphins doing what he's doing, and so that's. That's really what Squirrel White reminds me of. I think that's the type of player he's going to be and the type of impact he's going to have on this Tennessee team. So the down and dirty at 30, we start each and every show with that. Each and every weekday show is at 8.30. The down and dirty at 30 is a little bit about Tennessee, but it's a little bit about what's happening around the SEC. And let's Take a peek at what's happening at Texas A&M. First, coffee. Want good coffee? Top 5% of the beans. Honeybee coffee is absolutely fantastic, Amanda. And people need to check out Honeybee because there's no coffee hangover. There's none of that. It is just absolutely phenomenal coffee. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's pure, which is really what you don't find a lot. You find a lot of you know, added chemicals to keep it fresh or, or what have you when you're getting at the grocery store. But this stuff is just pure coffee and it's so good. It is so good. So you don't get all of that, you know, nastiness in there. You know exactly what you're drinking and that's hands down the best thing. Brittany reminds me to say subscribe, like, and share again, subscribe, like, and share. Amanda playing a little bit hurt today with some I don't know. We call it allergies, change of season, whatever the case may be. I was uh, actually in my house working for 36 hours and didn't realize until I looked at our very own website that it was 46 degrees yesterday. So, and I was talking to someone on the phone. I was like, is it really 46 degrees? And I'm like, yeah, it's a little brisk. 
So we're we're getting there. It is the end of October. Uh, the black jerseys will be in full effect. And where do we stand as we'll set up today's tough question, Amanda, yesterday? Because the black jerseys, I don't have strong feelings on them, to be quite honest with you. I think they're cool looking. If you gave me the choice, I would be a traditionalist, but I'm not going to get upset over it either way. So uh, today's tough question, we'll set that up before we get to Heath Schuler, or we may even ask him that as well. But today's uh, tough question is right now. We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. Today's tough question. What's the real debate? You sipping my soup, eh, Guadalupe? Exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker and Amanda LaFrada. You drinking my sake, Kimosabi? Oh, my God. All right. Today's tough question brought to you by Andy Mason Real Estate. Go to andymasonrealestate.com. Andymasonrealestate.com. That's your realtor that you need to choose. And Andy Mason is absolutely phenomenal. It'll save you thousands of dollars. Pretty simple. The best service and the best prices in the biz. So before we get to Heath Schuler, quickly, Amanda, where did we end up yesterday with today's tough question about black jerseys? So yesterday in today's tough question, we ended up um, with the majority of people loving the black jerseys, which so I agree. It was, what do you, how do you feel about the black jerseys? And it was like, I hate them. Um, they're okay. And then it was, uh, I like them. And then it was, I love, love, love them. And the majority of the people chose love, love, love them. And, and I agree with that. If you're, once you start the uh, alternate uniform thing, then go all out. I mean, I'm not saying be Oregon and have 7,000 combos. I'm just saying embrace the alternate uniforms as long as they look cool. And the black ones do. I think the black ones look cool. I think the smoky gray ones look cool. And I think everyone who who thought that there was some kind of curse related to either uniform has seen that there's really not there's not really curses it's just coaching and you have a coach so you would think the Peyton Manning curse is officially over now that Tennessee with one of its most memorable games ever beat Alabama and that was really never a curse he had some fun with it he said you know I've been to he said something like 400 games or something I think he was exaggerating and they had won like 38 or 38 of uh, well, no, 380 of them. I, th- I think he was joking with the numbers. I'm sure he didn't keep track of the amount of games he's been at. But he Tennessee wins the vast majority of games that Peyton Manning is in, even though they've had struggles lately. Because even when a college football team typically struggles, you don't fall all the way to three and seven at this level. You know, you're a six and 16. So yeah, that Peyton Manning curse is is not a real thing. And we're joined by this guy right here. We'll get back to today's tough question. We'll just ask him uh, today's tough question. Uh, Heath Schuler joins us now, former of all. Heath, how are you, sir? Uh, good morning. How are you, Dave? I'm fantastic, man. Hey, Amanda, how are you? I'm doing well, Heath. How are you? Thank you. you. you see, she's battling a cold a little bit, so she's playing hurt, which you, you've you done many times in your career. Uh, <laughs> First of all, you look uh, very congressional with the flags in the background. I'm, uh, I mean, man, you, you, you might have another run in politics in you. Who knows? Not a chance. 
there's a lot of things in life that you never say no, but that's definitely at the top of the list. <laughs> Heath, nice enough to join us. And Heath, I wanted to ask you about Hendon Hooker breaking your record for consecutive touchdown passes in a game. I guess you kind of saw it coming for probably a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Um, what's it like to have a, a, a record broken like that? You know, I think records are meant to be broken. You know, I think, uh, you know, if you look over just decades of, of, of sports, athletics, you know, it, whether it be Olympic sports or, or football, you know, it really is, you know, athletes are getting better. You know, they're getting stronger. The game is changing. And, you know, I'm just very happy that it's Hendon Hooker that's actually breaking the record. I mean, you know, what's almost survived 30 years. Yes. Uh, was there any record that you broke that at the time that you said to yourself, man, that's that's pretty cool? You know, I, you know, I think the the consecutive touchdown passes uh, was one that I think it was an afterthought. Wow. I didn't realize that that was a record. Um, and I think the rushing record for a quarterback was one that I, you know, kind of I enjoyed in a season. I thought that was always really, you know, a, kind of a unique certainly because of the type of offense that we ran. Um, it wasn't a kind of a, a – until we got in the red zone my sophomore year, we actually ran the ball a lot and, you know, kind of ran the option uh, with great tailbacks that we had and the great offensive line. We were able to to run the ball quite a bit. And, you know, and with an option on the goal line, you know, most important thing is if you can get in the end zone, run it. True. Um, when you look at – when you look at Hendon Hooker, I said from the get-go that I saw some similarities between his play and yours, and this is way before he broke the record. But do you see any similarities between the way you guys played? Well, I think there is. I, I think he, when he sees an opening, he can utilize his legs. Um, you know, and hopefully, you know, I was poised in the pocket as well. I mean, I think he's his composure that he keeps in the pocket is, you know, and I think that guy kind of goes toward his toughness. You know, I mean, if, you know, you can if you got, you know, if you're moving your feet all the time, then you're always kind of worried about, OK, who's going to hit you? But I think he's just kind of really poised, set in the pocket. And when he sees an opening based upon the coverage, he knows when he can run and pick up a lot of yardage. And so, you know, not only has he been able to perform with his arm, but his legs, I think, is some of the most important first downs that we've had <clears throat> all season long has come from his ability to run. Heath Schuler visiting with us, a, a former ball and a former congressman and just an all-around great dude. And Heath, I, I also I think that you guys were able to take advantage of some really talented receivers. And uh, in, in doing so, it, it seemed like that a, a lot of the decision-making was made simpler by the fact that you had the receivers out there. How, how much does that benefit? Did that benefit you? And that benefit Hendon and able to to make quick reads and quick calls and get the ball out of the pocket. Well, I think there's a there's some similarities in the offense, <clears throat> not from the high tempo standpoint, but really the fast break idea of, you know, don't hold the ball. You know, not a lot of play action passes that kind of, you know, prevent, you know, you want to get the ball out fast and. David Cutcliffe's offense was very similar. It was a quick game offense. If they give us a quick game, let's take it. If not, then let's try to hit them deep. And so we had – I think there's a lot of similarities in the offenses, you know, so to be able to get the ball down the foul, down the field deep. 
you know, my wide receivers, I mean, if you look at it, uh, Craig Faulkner, Corey Fleming, uh, Billy Williams, uh, Kendrick Jones, I mean, we had some really good, but equal to that is we got to the ball to the backs out of the backfield a lot during those times. I mean, most Phillips would catch balls. He would come in on third down. You had uh, Aaron Hayden, little man Stewart, Charlie Garner. I mean, you know, it was a kind of a very, um, um, you know, we had so much talent in the backfield that they could line up at wide receiver. They caught the ball just as well as they could run the ball. So we played havoc for a lot of defenses. So I look at our the offense that we had then and the offense now is the ability because everybody thinks Tennessee is a passing offense. Well, we do pass a lot, but I think we're a very, very balanced offense. If you look at statistically, we run the ball very effectively. And when you have that type of balance, you know, that's the keys to success offensively. You also threw a beautiful deep ball, and so does Hendon. Is that yeah. something that is innate, or is that practice? Is that something God-gifted? What is it about the deep ball and leading people and having a nice arch on the ball? Well, I mean, you can practice it, no doubt. I mean, but I think there's just that certain God gift of talent, that the gift that God gives you that, that gives you that ability to be able to – you know, to throw the ball because it's not a thought process. It's a feel, you know, and I think what Hendon does often is, you know, he puts the ball up where they receivers can adjust. It's not a flat throw. And so the better, the more arch you can put on the football, the better. And I think that comes because Hendon has such a strong arm that he can put enough arc on it to be able for the receivers to adjust. How do you see this game um, with Kentucky shaping up, especially for the offense? There, you know, there's a battle between a, a fairly decent defense and a you know really good offense. I think everyone sees that battle going on. Um, but how do you see it, and what do you think Tennessee can do against this Kentucky defense? Well, I think that I think that we'll be very productive offensively. I mean, I think that's I don't think that it's going to slow us down. You know. Most importantly, and I say this every single week, whoever wins in the trenches wins the football game. You know, I mean, if, if Hendon Hooker does not have time to throw the ball, then then we're not going to be as effective as we have been in the past. So if our offensive line just continues to play the, the way that they have, we're going to be very successful offensively. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to match Tennessee up, you know, and if we get Tillman back <clears throat> offensively that still that adds another dimension that they're that defenses are really going to have to pay close attention to now we got some you know we got four receivers that you can throw on the field and they can score at any time they catch the football so I think I, I truly believe that offensively we're going to be just fine but we have to be able to to protect Hendon and we have to be able to run the football effectively and I think that's where you know and that's Kentucky's kind of the their strong spot you know, they, they've been a, they've done an extremely good job this year in defending the run. Heath, how much of Tennessee's offensive success is maybe talent that we underestimated before the season as opposed to scheme and coaching? How would you break those down? Well, I, I think that you have to have the, the offense. I think that's the most important thing, the scheme, the offense – um, the strategy behind that, the, what the coaching staff has been able to do. And I think that kind of helps you develop the quality of player that you have. And I think the, one of the keys that it's been so successful with this coaching staff, if they see the current talent that they have and they are designing the plays and the offense around the talent. 
And that's a sign of a great coaching staff. Um, that's why I've always been, you know, I think David Cuckup does such an incredible job. I mean, he went from, you know, Andy, which was a drop back passer to me, that was, hey, let's run the ball and we get a chance. You know, let's open it up five wides, you know, um, let the quarterback do the quarterback option. And then back to the Peyton Manning area where it's just kind of, you know, straight drop back quarterback not running. So I'll look at what I have seen over the years um, with Josh Heupel, with his success that he's had with other quarterbacks and with other teams. He dictates his uh, offense based upon the current talent that he has. And when, for example, you know, how in the world uh, can you can you defend Jalen Hyatt? I mean, it's just absolutely impossible. So what does he do? Is he finds the mismatches? So get a quality player that's got a lot of speed and hit, and throw the ball deep to him. Um, that's an example of being able to take the ta- current talent that you have and make it successful. So know that uh, Cedric Tillman is set to come back sometime yeah. soon. We're not exactly sure when, but how do you see him fitting in this offense? Does it change it completely? You know, will will we see less from Hyatt? I mean, what do you think plugging Tillman in is going to achieve? Well, I certainly don't think you'll see less of of, of Hyatt. I mean, he's certainly going to be on the field at all times. Um I think they're just going to see a, a mix of how those players are actually, you know, is it a three wide concept? You know, who's out, who's the, you know, who's going to be the, the odd, odd person out. But uh, I think they're going to give every opportunity for Tillman to come back when he's healthy and ready to play. And I think Jalen Hyde's going to still get as many um, catches as he's had all season long. I don't think that's going to change anything. Brittany says, love having uh, Schuler on the show. We love having Heath on the show as well. So please hit that like, subscribe, and share button. We greatly appreciate that. I was doing some reading, and I'd probably read it before months ago, but when football season happens, you kind of lose track. And I was doing some reading, Heath, about what happened with Hendon Hooker at Virginia Tech. And it's a really great area, and I thought his his coach kind of threw him under the bus. He had had a a heart procedure, and he thinks the medicine crept up in the cold uh, later on. And uh, basically, Justin Fuentes says he doesn't like playing in the cold, which I thought really threw the young man under the bus. And at that point, he probably felt like he had lost the support of, of his team. That never happened with you at Tennessee. But at Washington, at some point, it felt like the tide had turned. And I'm, I'm curious, did you feel that as a player? And, and what's what's that kind of like when maybe you don't have the 100% support of, of your team and your organization? Well, I mean, I think it destroys the confidence of your player. You know, I don't know what that coach is doing now, but, you know, I don't know what his name even is, but uh, I think Hennon Hooker's got a – he's a household name now. So I don't know where that coach is that said that about him. But uh, I don't know if he's even coaching any longer. But uh, Hennon Hooker is up for the Heisman Trophy and has a really good chance of winning that. That's the first statement that I would say. You know, I always think, you know, oftentimes, you know, people are going to throw someone under the bus. I mean, the sign of a good leader is to take full responsibility. You know, um, I did that when I played at uh, Washington, played horrible. I mean, it wasn't good. There was a reason why we were three and um, and three and 13 the year that I was drafted by the Redskins. I mean, you know, talent wise, we just didn't have it. And, you know, I went in as a rookie trying to play and it just, you know, just was not successful. And sometimes, you know, confidence, the most important things, certainly at that position. And, um, you know, 
my confidence was was completely destroyed. Um, and so it really took a long time to get rebound to rebound back. And it wasn't until really I got to New Orleans and, you know, we didn't have, you know, we, they were three and 13 the year before I got there. So, <laughs> you know, we didn't have a lot of talent, but same things seemed to be turning around the last two games that I played in and started. We won. Uh, but that ended my career. I mean, when you have a foot injury so severe that I had and went to Oakland and one of the, you know, I felt like once I got there, I was like, gosh, you know, this, if I can just get healthy and be able to run again, utilize my foot, then this is the offense that I needed to be in. And I, I felt like I was with the right coach at that time. The offense and the coach was the right place for me to be uh, with John Gruden, with the Oakland Raiders. Um, the West Coast offense was more my style, not the offense that the Don Coriel offense that that um, um, the Ernie Zampezi, Don Coriel and 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 um, um, North Turner offense. That was not my style of, you know, seven step drop, hold the ball, wait, 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 never run the ball. You know, there was never an option to be able to utilize your legs. And it just kind of took that away from me. So, uh, you know, as I look at through time it, it for me to gain my confidence back it wasn't until I really got back to I really got to Oakland and felt like I could uh you know play in the NFL but unfortunately you know physically I was not able to play yeah for those that don't know correct me if I'm wrong the toe injury you suffered was very similar to <clears throat> Deion Sanders I believe his toe injury is that right where it was like your push foot it was your right foot so I mean that's it was my left foot yeah, it was my left foot. Yeah. So I dislocated all five of my toes at the same time. So when I when I when I was tackled, Chester McLaughlin, the Clemson grad, um, I him. Uh, yeah, has has since passed away. Uh, great human being, great guy. He actually it all five toes ended up on top of my foot. So I I severed the sesamoids, uh, had cadaver grafts, I did uh now they tried putting everything together. Uh, you know, I only missed one play though. Dave, I wasn't. I only missed one play. Wow! I had them set the toes on the sidelines, tape it up the best way they could, you know, and went back out and I missed one play. It was third down. We completed the pass, but didn't get the first down. We punted on fourth down. Um, our defense held them. I went in the next series on second down. So we went on and won that game and um, and played well. The next game, I went to the stadium on crutches, shot my foot up to be able to play um against Detroit and uh we ended up uh, winning that game as well Mike Ditka dislocated my toe again but you know I was under Marcane Novocaine shots had no feeling whatsoever felt great uh dislocated my toe again because the ligaments were just gone and Mike Ditka took my helmet away and wouldn't let me play the second half really so yeah. he <clears throat> I wanted another shot to go back out and play because, you know, I'd gotten injured in Washington, you know, separated shoulder was out for uh, uh, four or six weeks. And, you know, uh, you know, I really felt like I lost my job based upon an injury. You know, I wasn't playing very well. Gus Frock came in and played much better than I did, but I, you know, I, I said I would never, you know, do that. So I begged them when I got to Oakland, when they said I couldn't play again, to just cut my toes off. And I said, you know, the best, best option for me is just to remove the toes and of course no doctor would do it so good at the end of my career (laughs) i'm glad glad they didn't remove your toes Uh, i thought that was the option i mean i couldn't move them you know i could you know and and the pain was there so you know if i remove the toes the pain would go away 
How much does it still affect you to this day? Because I I've seen you a couple I can't move my toes. My toes don't move. I don't wiggle my toes. Um, you know, as long as I can, as long as I don't run a whole lot, you know, I can still do activity. But I, I you know, I, my running days are over, unfortunately. Oh, that's that is crazy. I've never heard that story. Hinden <laughs> um, Hooker. Let's since we're talking NFL, where do you think he fits in? <laughs> to the NFL, because I think he'll be drafted. That's just, I mean, look at him. So where do you think he fits in the best, especially in teams that don't really have a great option at starting quarterback? Well, I think that, you know, his ability to be able to move out of the pocket is is certainly increasing more and more quarterbacks that you're seeing being drafted at the top of the first round, the second, you know, second round quarterbacks, you know, they have that ability to move. They, you know, they, you know, they may not all be, um, you know, the the run first, throw second. You know, he's certainly a throw first, run second. So I think, he, you know, I look at him a first, second round draft pick, and I think it goes, oh, you, you know, I, I don't care what they say. You can't tell me that the quarterback at Kentucky is better than Hendon Hooker. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. Um, that is my personal opinion. I've watched the two of them. I think one of the most important things that I see about the two of them, um, both very physical, both very strong, both got strong arms. But to me, the the um, the pocket, how poised Hendon Hooker is in the pocket during a football game, to me, is that added advantage that will allow him to play better in the NFL than a lot of the other quarterbacks in college today. Interesting. Heath, great stuff, buddy. I know you got a busy day. We appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Amanda. Uh, Heath Schuler is uh, phenomenal. And ouch, all four or five of your toes dislocated and laying back upon themselves. That sounds horrible. I don't want any part of that. Ouch. What type of an NFL prospect is Hendon Hooker? Amanda led us into that. We'll ask Chris Landry up next. Give me two minutes off the hook sports. Gary Viles here. I want to personally invite you to North Knoxville's newest sports bar and restaurant. It's Big Orange Phillies located in Black Oak Center. And yes, folks, it's happening in halls. Big Orange Phillies offers family-friendly environment with homemade meals and the best deli-style subs around. Billiards, darts, jukebox, shuffleboard, and cornhole, and a full bar. We also offer valet parking on weekends and during special events. We even have a covered back patio. It's happening at Big Orange Phillies. We want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. This is Al's Desk Barbecue Supply, so come on in and see all the different rubs and sauces we have, plus a complete line of Green Mountain Grills. Don't be overwhelmed. We have plenty of help so you can produce the best barbecue in a maze for your family and friends. Barbecue is America's food. We'll do what we can to bring you all the best products. We're Al's Nest Barbecue, where Chattanooga goes to grill.
Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vasti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasti, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassies, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. <laughs> Coming up, we will visit with Chris Landry of LandryFootball.com. I remind you that the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports is Zul Beer, XULBeer.com. And that's worldwide award-winning craft beer. It is awesome. You will love it. So Zul Beer Company is a great place to go to hang out downtown. They've got parking downtown. Can you imagine that? Wow, that's pretty phenomenal. I mean, parking downtown, goodness gracious, you can't find that anywhere in Knoxville. And they've got it right there. I mean, you're literally feet away from the front door and worldwide award-winning craft beer and a good space, a great place to hang out as well. So what is up today's tough question? And Amanda, how about this? I sent this to you uh, during the break. And Hendon Hooker in the NFL. Um, how about we say star, starter, backup, he'll be a coach. Because I know deep down, and I know, excuse me, I don't even mean an NFL coach. I know he wants to be a high school coach to give back to his community. That's how great of a young man this is. So if you can phrase that in some shape, form, or fashion like that, that would be fantastic. Chris Landry joins us now, brought to you in part by... Pedigo of Chattanooga, Pedigo of Chattanooga. Tell them off the hook sports sent you. Pedigo Chattanooga is a fantastic place to go for your e-bikes. And Pedigo Chattanooga is locally owned where you'll be treated like family. And they have quality and they also have service if you need that. That's Pedigo of Chattanooga. So Pedigo Chattanooga, tell Adam that off the hook sports sent you because the e-bikes are fantastic. And you don't want to buy one just online you don't want to go with an e-commerce bike she'll have no one that'll help you down the line with uh service so uh chris said he missed the heath interview we will have him uh up on our website just moments after the show so you can go back and take a gander at that and i would suggest it chris what do you think of hendon hooker's draft prospects where do you think he might end up it just takes one team to like you good morning first of all and your thoughts on hendon hooker in the nfl Good morning. Uh, you know, Hennon's got some ability to develop. He's not very accurate. Um, and it's going to, you know, in, in throwing, it's a it's a completely different style of offense. He's a really good system fit at Tennessee. But running NFL offenses, even some zone read stuff, you've got to be a lot more accurate. Um, you know, I think there's some things you can correct with that, footwork and whatnot. Um, but I think that, you know, he's got a chance. I think he'll be, you know, um, to me and how I've initially got him graded, he's, you know, he's a second day guy potentially. Um, but I think he's got some, some skills to work with. He's a good young man. He works very hard. 
Um, you know, I think he's the type of learn. It's it's not anything in terms of the intangible, but the the um, the tangibles of you know being able to get the ball out on time and throwing it to spots. That's very difficult, and you got to remember that in college you can create a lot of spacing. So the throwing windows are really, really wide. In the NFL, they're narrow. You're dealing with really tight coverage. Everybody in the NFL is a pro. You know, not as many people in college, even in this league, in the SEC, that has the most pro prospects. You know, you still got a small percentage that actually are going to play pro. So it's uh, it, it, you don't, can't look at statistics or results in college or whether you win trophies and, and translate that to uh, – to the NFL. It's, it's not about the production. It's the skill set, the tangibles and intangibles, intangibles that are transferable. And I think he's got some of it. Some of it is not as good as, as some of the guys that are coming out this year. Uh, and uh, Amanda's going to jump in here, but let me clarify for those that may not know. It's, and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, it's the hash marks, the fact that they're tighter in that you have, that you can't create the same amount of spacing, right? No, no, it's not that. Well, first of all, the hash marks are tighter, but it, you, right. you can, it, it has really nothing to do with that because you can, you know, you're not going to see in the NFL guys line up as wide as them. I mean, Tennessee lines up really, really wide. That's that's fine. That's tempo. But remember, you can block three yards downfield. Yes. In college football. It's only one in the NFL. So, you know, this offense is – you know, would not work in its current form in the NFL. You'd have to modify it. Doesn't mean that some of the concepts wouldn't work, but the, the big thing he does, you know, it can move. That's good. I think he can slide in the pocket. Um, I think he can throw a little bit better on the move than probably people think or know, but I think he's a guy that when you watch him throw a lot of crossing routes, which you've got to work the middle of the field, Tennessee doesn't do it a great deal. Um, he's not as accurate and he doesn't get it out on time like you need in the NFL. Doesn't mean he can't play. I think he can, but I think he's a guy that's a developmental guy. And I think that's somebody you work with two, three years down the road could develop into somebody that could be a potential starter. But I think there's a bigger transition for him because of the offense that he plays in and because of how they're able to minimize some of his, limitations and certain skill sets and really um, magnify some of the things he does well in the NFL. It's tougher to do that. You get a little bit more exposed coaching wise, player wise, because you can't do the things athletically that you can get away with in college and in the NFL. And uh, that's why it's a look, it is tough for anybody to make that transition, anybody to do it. So, and you know, where is he going to go too? Now, who's going to coach him? You know, is he going to have the same system for a while? I mean, there's a lot of things that go into being successful. So there's some things that we don't know because we don't know who's going to draft them. We don't know how bad the team is going to be. We don't know what the protection is going to be. We don't know any of those things yet. That has a lot to do with how successful a guy will be or won't be. Which NFL quarterback right now do you see him being most like? And which one do you think that he'll end up being most like? Because I think Hendon Hooker is pretty teachable um, as far as things go with, you know, how he throws the ball and stuff like that. Who do you well, think? 
Yeah, in the college game, Amanda, he's he's really kind of unique. He probably plays a little bit more like RG3 at Baylor. Really good on the deep ball, really struggles underneath. Um, you, you saw RG3 have, you know, uh, I mean, RG3 was taken very high. Didn't really make it. It was coached by Kyle Shanahan and Mike Shanahan. They did a decent job with them. Um, RG3 didn't didn't work as hard as he needed to, but, but he was never a good enough passer, kind of work that layer passing. And I'd probably say he's closest to him, but he's um, – and I don't know that, that, that there's any starting quarterback in the league that he reminds me of. I mean, he doesn't have those type of, you know um, – the sets, the skill sets are a little bit different. And, and I kind of go with kind of how the skill sets are. Um, When we compare in the NFL scouts, we don't compare how good we think the guy's going to be. We compare skill sets of how a guy may look, how his drop back looks, maybe how his release looks, you know, certain aspects. So, and I, I hate saying it because when you say things, that guy, his footwork is just like Joe Montana. Now, he may not be a guy that can play in the NFL, but he does certain – and everybody says, well, Andrew says he's the next Joe Montana. No, because so I don't – but when you, we use it inside of, of, a, of a scouting meeting, we use those things. But I tend to kind of steer away from that because I don't think people understand what the comparisons really mean because it really doesn't mean that a guy's going to be the same type of player as the guy you compare him to. Okay, this might be a tough eval for you because the guys had the bejesus knocked out of him several times this year. But I know a lot of people think that Will Levis is a lock to be in uh, a high draft pick. Um, What are your thoughts on Levis, A, as a college player and how he's played this year with a foot and a shoulder injury? And B, your thoughts on him as an NFL draft prospect? Well, he's got uh, a better skill set that transfers to the NFL. There again, how successful he's going to be. Tell me where he's going to get drafted. All those things I just talked about with Hendon or anybody else. But, um, you know, he gets the ball out on time. He runs an offense that's more acclimated to pro style. I mean, his reads, he has. He does a better job of being able to make layered reads and being able to move guys off, um, move defenders off. So he's – you know, he's a, a, you know, a little advanced. He's also played a lot of football from Penn State to here. So he's got a lot of, um, he's got a lot of, uh, you know, uh, potential at the next level. Look, I, the whole thing about how high he's going to go, I, I think, again, he's a project, but I think he's a project with his size, with his arm talent, with his ability to, to place the ball pretty well. Uh, I think they're, they're pretty good. Um, you know, the big thing, and there, there are a number of things that a quarterback has to do. As a passer, you have to know where to throw it, and you have to get it there accurate. And that, that doesn't mean just a couple of routes, because he'll sit and shut down certain routes in the NFL. You've got to be able to make uh, accurate throws on time on multiple routes in the NFL. So I think that's always the big physical adjustment that a college quarterback has to make into the NFL and then the mental part of it, we can spend two hours talking about how it is a completely different world. Uh, it's like co- playing college football, quarterback in college football, is like taking, you know, 
seventh grade math. And in, in the NFL, it's like, uh, you know, uh, calculus. I mean, it is completely different. And a lot of things that you have to see and learn, you know, and it, it does just depend. I mean, I, I, I sit there and look at how good a Patrick Mahomes is and a Josh Allen is. Um, look how good they are in the NFL. They're good because they're good, they're well coached, and they've got a really good team around them. And so those things factor into how a guy gets successful. So I'm excited to see how both of these guys, as well as some others, end up uh, projecting to the next level. Um, with with the Hendon Hooker situation at, at Virginia Tech, um, there are all kinds of gray area out there. There is all kinds of gray area out there. As far as what happened to him uh, at one point, Justin Puente said he was uh, too cold. Um, which was odd. He had undergone uh, a hard uh, scope earlier in the season, and uh, that his camp said that part of um, the the medicine that he used could have led to that later in the season. But what did you hear just in coaching circles of why he left Virginia Tech? Because it was really obvious, no matter what happened, that the coaching staff, despite his play, which was pretty strong, at Tech, had lost faith in him for whatever reason. And it seems weird knowing the kid now that you would lose faith in a guy like that. Well, you know, it's hard to know exactly. But, you know, the the feeling there was that he wasn't performing as well as they had hoped. They were not having a lot of success at Virginia Tech overall. That had a lot to do with it. And, you know, I, you know, I like Justin a lot. But, you know, there was a lot of decisions he made on players that he had over there as well as guys he recruited and that he didn't do a very good job with. And I think, you know, he began to lose the locker room a little bit as a coach because uh, a lot of those players, uh, and, I, you know, I don't, I can't speak for Hendon. I don't know, but, but there's, here's the difference. And what I always say is everybody wants to define a player like how they look, you know, in whatever game they saw. It's not how evaluation works, folks. You know, it's it's about how you grow. It's about how you develop. I mean, I give you an example. Uh, how many people in the SEC, if I brought the name Bo Nix, what, what, what do they think? What do they say? Life's Awful. Yeah. You, you know, guy is one of the best quarterbacks right now is playing as good as any quarterback in college football. He is, you know, but he's gotten a lot better and, you know, not under the scrutiny. The team's better than than Auburn was, um, you know, in, in some of the stretches. The point is, is people tend to want to define a guy. And it, it, it's unfortunate that it doesn't it's not easy to have early success. It's not easy to have any success, particularly at the college level, at the high level or in the NFL. So I think a lot of times people don't know how to evaluate look at things and see the result and say, well, you see, that guy's not very good. I mean, you know, Josh Allen had a really nice career at Wyoming. It was at Wyoming. Like, well, what is he going to do in the NFL? He's as good as a quarterback he is in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes, you know, he wasn't great at Texas Tech. He had a, you know, average team around him, did some good things, nothing special, you know, and then you've had guys that are like Heisman Trophy caliber, great players that, get drafted very high and don't make it. There's a lot of circumstances that lead to it. And it's, it's a, it's a lot how you cook the meal and the, the development process is 
completely misunderstood and sometimes get thrown in this guy stinks and this guy's great. And they turn around just like they do with coaches sometimes. And then all of a sudden they turn around uh, six months later and that guy's, oh, that guy's great now. It's just, just how it is in this world. Coach Landry, I mean, what are you? I, 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 no, how, about, how about Joe Burrow, you know? You know, not good enough to play at Ohio State. Goes to LSU that first year. I'm sorry to jump in on you, man. It's another another name. And then goes to LSU. Has a pretty decent year the first year. And then everything clicks. You know, you get um, you, you get a good young receiver coach that comes in, works with those receivers. Joe Burrow does nothing but work on football, gets those guys with them all the time. All of a sudden, Joe Burrow becomes a great player, has a dynamic year. Goes to Cincinnati. It's not going to be good at Cincinnati. They're awful. Well, you know what? They built a pretty good offensive line. They made some improvements on defense. Boom. They go to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, you, you know, you put him on a really bad team. You take Trevor Lawrence. Really talented, right? You, you know, they're starting to get better in Jacksonville, but they're still got a ways to go. You know, not not as good in people's eyes. Well, there's reasons why he's not as good. I'm sorry, Amanda. I didn't mean to. Okay. I had a thought in my mind. I don't have many good thoughts. So when I have one, I want to throw it out. No worries at all. Coach Landry, we see what's going on at Texas A&M. Uh-huh. Can you just give me your overall view as to Jimbo Fisher's just crashing and burning? Yeah, look, I don't like to overreact on things because, you know, I, as I said before, things, you know, I mean, we heard that about, you know, you, the media ran and run with what well, Brian Kelly's losing, the, 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 you know, the, 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 uh, the locker room at LSU never got that feeling. I'm, I'm concerned about what's going on at A&M. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard and about what the locker room incident reportedly, what the locker room incident is. Well, um, and for those that don't, let me let me lay it out real quick. So you've had two things going on. One, there were three players supposedly smoking pot before a game. And then number two, which is way more significant, is that supposedly I believe five players jumped – uh, Jimbo Fisher's son at practice, and it was a heck of a scene. So any su- insight you can give us would be Yeah, great. I don't know about the second one, um, but I do know that the first one um, has happened not once, but I've told more than once. So I don't know. It could be two. Let's just leave it at two. Two's too many. Wow. Um, and happened after the game in the shower. Um and, you know, I, I look, I, I wasn't there. I don't know. But there's obviously something going on. My, my overall thoughts, Amanda and, and, and Dave, are this. Um, you got to be careful when it, it's all great when you talk about NIL and brag about what we can do financially. And there's nothing wrong in this day and age of NIL and making money. But I can tell you this from 40 years of doing this. If guys are coming to a school or or going in the NFL because of the money, Mm. and that's their motivation, then what's their motivation when they get the money? So let me just back up and say, it is fine to get the money. It is fine to want to play football and want to be part of a team, and want to work, and you love the, the game of football, and and you have every right to get as much money at whatever level you can get that's legal. It's great, you know, but if you're, if you're going for the wrong reason, 
and you're basically guys are entitled, then they're not. They, they, they don't. Obviously, they don't respect the program. They don't respect the coach. Yep. They're not doing the right things. And and again, I always study this a lot when I'm looking at draft prospects. When I'm when I'm doing my consulting work for teams, is trying to drill into what makes them work. They're all going to tell you they love football. I need to find out whether they truly do, and their actions speak louder than words. So it is great to to get all the money. I mean, the money's going to be there. But I'm going to tell you, it's only going to be there as long as you work. And, 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 and if the money motivates you in anything, if that's your motivation, then you're going to do as little as possible to get that money because you don't love what you're doing. If you love what you're doing, you're doing it because you love it and you have to get paid for it to live. And, and, and all we all understand that. That's what's going on in my view. I think you're getting a lot of guys wow. that are – they're coming for the, they came for the wrong reasons. And my, that great recruiting class, I'm going to be curious to see how many of those are even going to be on the roster at the end of this year. How many of them are going to transfer because they're not going to want to deal with that. I mean, you have three of them there that are young guys, but um, yeah, I think there's some real problems. Um, I think there's a real danger and I think it's a big game this weekend because of this reason, we're going to really see how bad it is at AM because after what happened on the field and off the field, if they have character in that locker room, the players will take ownership and say, This bleep ain't going to stand. And we're going to see them play well at home against Ole Miss and maybe surprise them. If they've got leadership, if they lay down and they get rolled by Ole Miss, it tells me. It's over. There is not that leadership in that locker room. And they don't give a bleep. They don't care. And that tells me a lot. Not just whether they win, but just how they play. If they play hard, they play well. That tells me there's some character left there amongst the players. If they don't and they lay down, I'm telling you, you think it's bad now. Oh, oh no, it, it's going to be next level bad. And it is uh, – Look, when it gets bad, it gets really bad. And here's the other thing that you got to be careful about all the rumors now. And again, I some of the stuff is, is true, but, but what you're going to have now is a lot of the false rumors because it's the negativity. It's going to be, oh, well, let me tell you what I heard, Amanda and Dave. I heard this, you know, just a lot of that stuff is is not true, but you do a lot of piling on because you you – you're frustrated you, with the program, whatever. So a lot of that's going to come from, you know, a lot of their fan base that's trying to figure out, well, did we, you know, pay the $85.9 million? You know what I mean? I, I, I think you got to be careful with that. It, it, but I think it's a dangerous situation. I, I think it really is. It's alarming. And just goes to show you, though, be careful out there. For those of you, hey, riding high Tennessee and uh, just everybody – you know, it looks awful. It looks great. And then, you know, just, I mean, I heard for years, the Kansas job, there's no way you could win there. I mean, I mean, you're not going to win titles there, but you can be competitive. I saw three coaches in my lifetime do a pretty good job, actually four. You, you know, now you got one doing it again. It, it, I, don't ever think that the way it is at your place, good or bad, is the way it's going to be because it can flip in a heartbeat. 
and you could lose the program. And I, I, you know, I just think it's a really concerning situation. No, I agree. And I'll tell you what's concerning from my standpoint, if, if you're a Texas A&M fan, and I, you and I see it through different lenses, is when people start leaking some of the reports that we've seen to the media, then there are people within that administration that are floating essentially a balloon out there to say, what if? What if you paid the $90 million buyout? How would fans respond? So when you see that leaking of the the his son getting jumped or smoking pot before a game or whatever, when you start to see that, that's people in the administration or on the team that are leaking that, and that is a monstrous red flag. I've seen it happen at Tennessee before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I I, I hope that's not true about his son. I'm, I'm, I do too. I'm assuming it's the – I don't know – Assuming it's the one that's got a very serious illness, I can't imagine that being true. But again, I don't know. I mean, that that's a that would be awful. Um, look, it's it's uh, it's ugly. The other thing you got to be careful about is how many people are trying to create, how many things that have happened that have been kept under wraps. I'm not talking about off the field problems, but certain infractions. Is there somebody with power over there, not in the administration, but booster faction that is aware that's been involved in this stuff that are going to try to say, well, I know a way we can get out of paying that money. Yep. You know, we can have, you know, fire for calls, which means then you can negotiate. And now it's $40 million that he walks away with instead of 85. You follow me? Yes. That type of stuff happens. I mean, let me take you back. Jim McElwain. Remember what happened there? Things were going bad over Jim in at Florida. And he made the comment he said, somebody said, Coach, how tough is it? And he made some comment about his family was getting death threats. He was trying to apparently made it up. And he said, you know, yeah, my family's been harassed. Well, there is a, a law, state law, as a, as a state employee, you have to report that to your superior. Well, he didn't because it didn't happen. Apparently, he was trying to do something in the media and a press conference to get some sympathy. And basically, they got him. They owed him a lot of money, and they they basically got out with about four million dollars of buyout. And Jim was gone. Yeah, same thing for Tennessee fans. Same thing, well, not the same thing, but a similar thing happened getting out of a buyout with Bruce Pearl, basketball coach, um, who uh, lied to the SEC. Right. So yeah, I felt like Jim McElwain really jumped the shark. Yeah. That wasn't really yeah. a nude picture. So, yeah, you wonder if that could happen there. I, I don't know. It's uh, – I don't know. Everybody loves to – loves the train wreck, the rubbernecking. There's a lot of rubbernecking going on in Bryan, Texas right now. There is. And uh, I wonder with Texas A&M, I know that you have some pretty close ties to that program. Um. Now that Texas is in, it will be in the SEC, I thought that there was a period that I never thought I would see, and that was that A&M had kind of maybe overshadowed Texas for a little bit, and it was because of the SEC ties, whereas they've always been kind of a little brother like Auburn to Alabama. Yep. And I wonder where they stand now that Texas is joining the SEC. Do they recede back to that little brother syndrome, or are they able to stand toe-to-toe with the other UT? Well... Texas has got their own issues. It's not so much off the field, but they've got to get a little bit better. But I, 
I do see some positives with Sark, but man, he's he's like one, he's blown in uh, like seven leads in his career, short career he's had there. So they've got some old issues, but the the thing about them, it's like any other you know hate fan base. <laughs> they 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 love they they care more about what's happening at, at the other place. They, they they care more about talking bad about the other school than <laughs> their current school. So. Uh, uh, I think this, I think you just nailed it though. AM had something Texas never had for the first time in their life. They were part of the SEC and Texas wasn't. And so I do think that that's uh, look, it's always kind of considered, or at least Texas thinks, you know, we're the university of Texas and you're Texas A&M. And uh, there's always that big brother, little brother feel to it. And look where it's going to go. It depends on how, well, it does on the field. I think the issue that AM needs to, and, and Texas needs to get over themselves is that it takes a lot of money, yes, to be successful in big time football. But money alone doesn't do it. If you've got money and you don't do a good job utilizing that money, you've got a problem. Look, you know, I can tell you that, you know, when they hired Jimbo Fisher, they hired him. Um, Scott Water, the athletic director who's now the LSU hire. But it was Ross Bjork that they would be halfway through Jimbo's contract if they wouldn't have gave him the money. But you know what happened, right? You know, when Ed Orgeron was fired, oh, Scott Water's going to come after Jimbo Fisher. Well, they had, oh, well no, we're, we, we got more money. We're, we're not going to let that happen. And my thing is, you know, at some point you need to say, you know what? You've got a nice contract. We need to see you put up some, you know, some real big numbers here before we're going to get it. And you know what? If that's not good enough for you and LSU wants to hire you, we'll go and use our resources and get somebody just as good or better. But that's not the way athletic directors think. They get scared. The athletic director scared that if their guy is taken away Somewhere else, then you failed, and you're de- and that's what's happening now. And the agents know that, and so the Jimmy Sexons and the Trace Armstrongs of the world uses that. Well, you know, I mean, that was just educated. So they give them this big money, and now they're in an eighty-five point nine million dollar, you know what? And that's a lot of money, even for the big oil guys. That's a lot to swallow. And now they're having. What do we have? And I, I think it's. It's a lesson that you think all your money is going to solve all your problems. Your money can give you the resources to solve the problems. But if you don't do the right things and you don't do it the right way, you got a problem. And I think that's we're going to have the best collective in NIL around. That's great. And you're going to have a bunch of guys, not a really good team, and you got a chaos. And now you got a whole big problem you've got to correct. And, you know, I, it's it's a mess. No, I think it's you've got to have better strategic planning and understanding of how to win, and then then that money can really be useful if you do it correctly. But they're not, and Texas hasn't done a very good job of it either. It's just that A and M is just in a bigger dumpster fire right now. Please click that thumbs up button, like, subscribe, and share. Amanda's going to jump in here. And Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Nutrition World. Go to nutritionw.com. Know that your supplements are backed by a name like Nutrition World. Don't just walk into some acronym 
shop and pick up some supplements because you don't know where they're from. In nutrition world, uh, nutritionw.com, you'll know that they are the best supplements that are on the market and they're one of the best e-commerce stores and supplements. So you can go ahead and order there with confidence because the other people ain't giving you high quality stuff. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that. Do, do not put that in your body, Amanda. We see every year we have a coaching carousel. I mean, we see it every single season. And in the SEC, there are some hot names that are out there. We have Mike Leach. We have Lane Kiffin. Um, Josh Heupel's always, you know, is one, especially with what he's doing at uh, Tennessee right now. Which coach do you see leaving, possibly, this season? Leaving the job that they have just for, like, a, a better opportunity somewhere or being, you know, someone that's not exactly – thrilled with the place that they are because i would love to see mike leach at wisconsin i would love it i would love are we, it are we including firings in this question um i don't know it depends if i mean i think we all know brian harson's out i think everyone knows that and eli drinkowitz or whatever his last name is is probably headed out the door as well and jimbo fisher um i don't know what the i mean Auburn is going to have an opening. Um, and I think Brian will do a good job somewhere else. It's, it's about fit. Um, I, I, you know, uh, the, the guy that would leave, but it has to be the right job. And right now that right job is, I mean, we don't know. Sometimes things surprise you like, you know, Lincoln Riley leaving last year. I mean, so you don't know, but, but I know that Lane Kiffin uh, would leave for the right job. Uh, last year, he was interested in LSU, Florida, Miami, and Oregon, and he never got anywhere with any of them. Um, but I think he would leave for the right. And I think those four, I, I would question Miami, but he, he saw that as a – and, and, you know, that's that's fine, it, whatever. It doesn't matter what it, – it matters what the candidate thinks is the right fit for him and, and, and what have you. So I think he would, but I don't think that job's – open right now. I don't know what that would be, but I think Lane would be the, the guy. Um, I'm not a, a Mike Leach guy. I think Mike does a good job at places like that. Um, Wisconsin is going to hire Jim Leonard, the, the interim coach. He's their guy. It's going to be one of their guys that are familiar with that program. So it's his job to lose. If, if for, and, and it was a big win last week for him against Purdue. If he doesn't get it, then I think they would hire Lance Leipold of Kansas because Lance was once a GA at Wisconsin. He coached at Wisconsin Whitewater. Wisconsin is very much – Barry Alvarez is no longer the athletic director, but the athletic director played for Barry, and he still has a lot of influence. They are the type that guys that, for me, with the program, Wisconsin, Big Ten-ish. So I think that's where Wisconsin's going to go. Um and right now, you know, Nebraska's open, Arizona State's open. Um, Arizona State's a really good job, but with the state of the Pac-12, I don't know it's as, as good a job. You know, where is, you know, with UCLA and USC gone, I don't know. George Tech's open, well, you know, Auburn will be open. I think Hugh Freeze would be, you know, a really good fit there. But so I don't, I mean, to answer your question, I think, um, uh, I think uh, Lane Kiffin would be the guy that would have the most wandering eye of the bunch. Um, 
you know, uh, I don't, like I said, I don't expect Jimbo. Jimbo's not going to leave the money, and I don't think they're going to get rid of him yet. That's my feeling. But, you know, as we said at the top, you don't know what's going to happen. Well, and Chris, why, why for you and I have talked about it, so I know your answer, but for those that haven't heard us talk about it, why would Lane Kiffin be itching to leave uh, an Ole Miss where he's having some success? I don't think he's itching to leave. I think he's an opportunity that can – they have greater resources. They've done a nice job at Ole Miss supporting him and all that. But Oregon, LSU, uh, Miami with – I know they're struggling, but look at – with that um, – gosh, I forgot the big lawyer's name that's putting a collective that's out of this world, Florida. That's a different level than Ole Miss. So, like, like – and I think Lane – is only Lane can do – he made the comment. He lost his defensive coordinator at AM this past season. Why? AM going to pay more money. <laughs> you know, and, and so it, 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 at Ole Miss, he is doing a really good job with the transfer portal. But he can't get the elite players in recruiting at Ole Miss. It's tougher, you know, so it's a tougher job. You don't think the answer in the short answer is, I don't think he can win a national title at Ole Miss. He doesn't think he can. He won't say that publicly, but he doesn't. But at those other some places, you can. And I think those others, you feel like maybe you can. Miami's been a long time since they've done it. You can debate whether they can or they can't. LSU's done it. You know, Oregon's been competitive. Florida's done it. So I think he's not looking to leave. Like, I don't think he's going to leave. People have thrown his name out in Nebraska. Well, I don't think he's going to leave to go to Nebraska. His dad, Monty, played at Nebraska. You know, and but that he ain't gonna leave to go to Nebraska. Um, so you know, Lane. People don't know this. People say that he he took Ole Miss over Arkansas. Wasn't true. The Arkansas guys, the Tyson Chicken guy, Jerry Jones, um, the other the trucking guy. I forget the thing. The they didn't want Lane, and so he went to Ole Miss. But he wanted to go to Arkansas because his dad, Monty, uh, was on Lou Holtz's staff, and they worked Pete Carroll. All those guys worked in Arkansas. And he thought there would be more – Arkansas has more money, although they don't really <clears throat> spend it quite as much, and you can debate whether they're capable of winning a title. But they have the money to do it. But it's just – it's money. It's He gets a lot of money. His assistants get pretty well, but it, he doesn't have the resources. So he's not looking to leave for a lateral move. He's looking to go where he can compete for a title, and he can't do that at Ole Miss in his mind. Ten and two is great. That's as good as you're going to do there unless some weird circumstances happen. Uh, I think I know your answer to this. Ball's time said I could see Lane Kiffin going to Auburn. That would be a lateral Tuberville type of move to me. Well, Auburn's unique. Auburn's a, Auburn has more resources, and you can win at Auburn. Okay. you got to deal with the politics at Auburn which is off the charts. You've got every school has politics. Some school have really unique politics. And then some have even more. And then some have even more. And then there's Auburn. You're working for Jimmy Rain. You're, you're work. That's the most incestuous program I've seen. It is, if you get in right, you can, that's a, a Tuberville left Ole Miss to go to Auburn because it was a better job. And it is a better job, but you got to be willing to deal with that. I don't know because Lane is familiar with that. I don't know if Lane wants to get involved with it. I, I don't know. I think you freeze. 
is desperate enough that he put up with anything and, you know, he would probably take that if they wanted him. I know he would take it if they wanted him. Wow. Interesting. Chris, great stuff. LandryFootball.com. You'll learn more about football than you ever imagined you could. We appreciate the time. We'll, we'll talk to you. And you can also check out Chris on our YouTube channel with Chalk Talk as we break down Tennessee, Kentucky. And, uh, Chris, this will be the last time we talk to you for the week. Do you feel pretty confident about Tennessee's chances? Any matchup that should scare the balls? Yeah, look, I mean, I think that this is uh, has a chance to be more competitive than maybe Vol fans might think. Um, but I do think Tennessee's in a really good position to win it. I think that uh, Kentucky, two things. You've got to get pressure on Hendon Hooker, so their edge rush pressure has to be there. Uh, I think that while they can uh, move the football through the air against Tennessee, I think they want to try to run the football, establish to run a little bit more against Tennessee, keep their offense off the field. I could paint a scenario where this can be pretty competitive, but then I can also see that uh, it certainly could go the other way where Tennessee could win lopsided, particularly if Kentucky gets behind. But Kentucky's in better position with their quarterback, with their receivers, to be a little bit in more of a shootout. We saw it last year be a shootout, but maybe a little bit um, more than normal for Kentucky. So that'll be, that'll be an interesting game. The other thing is, is do we have a look-ahead game? As much as you talk to your players, is Tennessee, you know, peeking ahead to Georgia next week? You don't want that to happen. That could certainly hurt your momentum early, you know, um, you know, in the game. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a game that you probably shouldn't be in. Chris, thank you, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks a bunch. And have a good weekend. Bye. Chris's appearance brought to you in part by Zach England. Zach's got your back. Best in Brock. He's a personal injury attorney in Chattanooga. And he will go against the insurance companies if you ever have any sort of issue. So remember, I'm not saying the, go out and get in a wreck and uh, then try to pursue the insurance companies. But I want you to remember this. Zach's got your back. Zach England. You're always welcome to reach out to me and I'll hook you guys up. But uh, Zach's got your back. Zach England of Best of Brock. I've seen him do wonders in terms of uh, a lot of times it's, it's people that don't know their rights when they go against insurance companies and they're, they're in a wreck. And there's been a couple of different issues because so many interstates like Knoxville cross in the Chattanooga area that there have been some really bad accidents, loss of life in which um, some big companies with some, frankly, drivers that should have taken a nap way before. So Zach can take care of you there. Zach's got your back. Zach England of best and brought big orange Phillies, great place to watch the game and why john adams has made another bold prediction and it's pro tennessee right after this two minutes off the oak sports it's gary viles here viles automotive on callahan drive i've been selling cars here in east tennessee for 27 years in that time i've come to realize it's not about the car it's about you the customer so i'm here to take care of you just like family Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we need, and we appreciate your business. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vasty Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vasty, here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero Turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. 
At Bassey's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassey Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. This is Steve Rain. I own the Midnight Oil and Michelin Tire Direct service station here in Ottawa. It's not a fancy place, never has been, but it's a clean place with clean restrooms and good folks who work here. We sell gas, fix cars, nothing glamorous, but we love what we do, and we're going to keep doing it for a long time to come. There's not many real service stations left, and that's a shame. We're the guys just like the guys back in your hometown. We'll fix your tire, change your oil, and put a new set of Michelins on your car. If you want a Twinkie, you'll just have to keep on going. Thanks for the business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Dare to compare. Today in sports history, putting things in perspective, exclusively on Off the Hook Sports with Dave Hooker. You're so old, when you were a kid, rainbows were black and white. And Amanda LaFrada. You kids on the block just called. They wanted you as a backup dancer. All righty, here we go. This day in sports history. And then I'll get to that John Adams prediction that if you haven't seen it on our YouTube pages... Pretty unbelievable. And for those of you that have followed John's work, you probably view him as negative. I have always viewed him as frank, honest, and just gives his honest opinion. So for those that thought he was negative, it's probably because he thought that Philip Former was a great recruiter and a very average X's and O's coach. And that was more oftentimes than not disseminated via various media. But his prediction for Tennessee that he made, and he's dead serious, is uh, pretty phenomenal. But first, this day in sports history. October the 27th, as we go back, October the 27th, 1951. Tennessee shut out Tennessee Tech 68 to zip on the way to a national championship. That 51 team was pretty good. Heisman Trophy runner-up Hank Laricella played on that team. And that was the last national championship team before 1998. So it was a period of 47 years. Will it be 22 years? Is my math right? From No, it'd be 24 years. From 98, well, according to John Adams of the Knoxville News Sentinel, there's a darn good shot at that. And um, I was a I was a bit surprised that he said this yesterday. And again, it's on our YouTube channel. So certainly check it out. First day in sports history brought to you by the mattress place just a couple of miles from Henley Street Bridge. This day in sports history is um, is fantastic. And the mattress place is even better. 30 to 70 percent off each and every day. Tell them off the hook sports sent you. 
and they have fantastic products, no gimmicks, just 30 to 70% off each and every day. So that's this day in sports history. So Amanda talking to John yesterday, and it's kind of like he dropped a bomb during the Alabama week. Uh, John and I have known each other for so long. There's not a lot of pre-production that goes into that. It's just, let's just roll. And so midway through, this is the Alabama week, uh, John said, uh, basically, he didn't come out and say it, Amanda. We kind of alluded to he thought that Tennessee would beat Alabama. So I followed up with that. Brittany says, like, subscribe, and share. That's right. Hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, and share. We appreciate that. So John halfway through, and I said, wait, are you picking Tennessee to actually beat Alabama? Which at the time was pretty crazy. I don't know that anybody was doing that just straight up. I think a couple people maybe liked the number, but, and he said, yes, I am. So we're having the same conversation on the Vol report brought to you by Vols Automotive Group in Big Orange Philly. And I'm like, wait, are you, are you picking Tennessee to win out? And Amanda, this would fall in line with what you said, because Amanda has said, and by the way, she's been completely on, on top of it in terms of her predictions. But she said that Tennessee beats Georgia in June, July, or whenever that was. So, Amanda, John's with you. Um, John not only thinks, and this, I mean, the odds on this would have to be, what, 10% if you went to Vegas because you would add up and compound the odds and all that good stuff. And um, John thinks that Tennessee will not only beat Georgia, but will beat Alabama for a second time and win the SEC championship. And again, I can't begin to describe um, what that means to me because John is viewed as the cynic and John is just totally on board with Josh Heupel. Now, John did also add that this might be a situation like the wishbone where you take advantage of, of people and they don't know how to coach it for four or five years. Josh Heupel may not be a long-term phenomenal coach. He didn't say that, but he said there's a possibility of that. I tend to think that he's going to stay ahead of the curve offensively. But, Amanda, that would be, regardless of what ha happens in the college football playoff, if, if Tennessee were to pull that off, beat Florida, beat Georgia, beat Alabama twice, you would be talking about, again, regardless of what happens in the playoff, that would be, at the very least, the third best season in Tennessee football history. The 1951 National Championship, the 1998 National Championship, and then whatever happens in the college football playoff, maybe we would change that up. But I, I, I can't see Tennessee or anybody beating Alabama twice, so I'm not willing to go down that road with John. But the fact that he thinks that is pretty wacky about how this season is compared to where we thought it would be. Yeah, I would never say um, – I would never – honestly, I would never bet against Saban twice, especially not oh, with – especially not with the addition of Eli Ricks into the secondary. Um, I don't know if you saw anything about Mississippi State, but Eli Ricks played lights out and it vastly improved Alabama's secondary. So I wouldn't necessarily say that Tennessee would be able to beat Alabama twice – Everything else, though, I'm right on. Absolutely. No, I, no, I'm right on par with what um, John is saying, especially, you know, 
I don't think Tennessee necessarily needs to win. If Tennessee beats Georgia, I think Tennessee goes to the college football playoffs. I don't think they they need to win against Alabama in the SEC championship game, considering they've already beat Alabama once. And if you beat Alabama and you beat Georgia and you beat LSU and you beat, you know, everybody else that Tennessee's played, Pitt, uh, Florida, everyone else, if you beat all of those teams, you have such a good, a good uh, record and yeah, a very good resume to go into the college football playoffs. And I think that that's where Tennessee will end up regardless of the outcome in Atlanta. I, no, I agree. I think if Tennessee beats Georgia and wins out, regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game, they're in. Yeah. I think the, the nightmare scenario is lose to Georgia. Georgia gets beat by Alabama. Cause then I think they would take Alabama and Georgia and they would not take Tennessee because they're not going to take three teams in the playoffs. That is that is the nightmare scenario. Now, if Tennessee loses to Georgia and Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, then I think Tennessee is the fourth team in. However, you don't want to leave that to chance, obviously, because, like you said, Alabama – one thing about Alabama, whatever you think about this team as of – that Tennessee game or whatever you think about them as of October 27th, barring injury, they're going to be better in the weeks to come because they always get better throughout the season. unless there's an injury issue, like there was at receiver last year. So they're going to be better in the first week of December than they were at any point in September or October. So that, that to me is, is pretty scary. If Tennessee has to play Alabama that's scary for Georgia having to play Alabama. One of the things that's becoming debatable is who's the better on-field coach during the game. And John and I disagreed on this as well. He said that he thinks that Kirby Smart is now surpassed Nick Saban as the better in-game coach. I wasn't, I'm not willing to go there, Amanda, at all. As a matter of fact, I think, that Alabama would have a coaching advantage in that game. So John and I disagreed on that. Uh, where, do, where do you stand on that? I, I think Kirby Smart has done most of what Nick Saban has done, and that has cr- just amassed a lot of talent. And I think that's great. And he has his guys playing hard and tough. But I think there's that 10% of in-game coaching, which is probably a little bit overrated, but of in-game coaching where I would take Nick Saban over still anybody in the nation. I would take Nick Saban as well. I think I would never take the teacher over the student unless there was just a game where, or a few games where, you know, they were significantly outcoached. The SEC championship last year with Nick Saban and Kirby Smart, Nick Saban outcoached Kirby Smart on in that game. He Great. did. Um, and Kirby Smart had a not once in a lifetime defense, but probably once in a generation talent wise defense. Definitely. And Kirby Smart got out coached by Nick Saban. As we talked in the national title game, I don't think that really had much to do with the coaching as it did with the injuries. When you yeah, have you had your two, you had two first round top pick NFL receivers that yeah. had ACL injuries. 
Yeah, you had two, two of, you know, out of the receivers, the top two receivers on Alabama, you had two out, completely gone. Where did they go in the draft? Um, I'm not sure, like, what, what their... Where were they? Because they were first-round talents. I mean, maybe hold the ACL against them. They both had ACL injuries. Correct. Um, One went to Detroit, and then Mechie is, he's the one that got, he has cancer now. And I can't remember where he went. Yeah, Texans. I think Mechie went to the Texans, and uh, Williams went to the, to the top. To the Tigers, to Detroit, not the Tigers. Oh, he, yeah, he was diagnosed with a with leukemia. I didn't know that. Uh, yes, Matthew was diagnosed with leukemia. He's from um, Canada too, and I don't know why that's relevant, but well, it, I, I'll tell you why because I think it speaks to the young man that during COVID, his family wasn't able to come watch him play or be really supportive at all, and um, he still balled out and was ready to go last year when he was even more leaned upon as being their their lead dude so um I, i'm i'm a fan of that young man so he was a second round pick and uh, i i hope everything i did not see the cancer diagnosis so uh prayers for for him and and i want to take a second too and i meant to lead the show off um with this speaking of prayers prayers to the joe biddle family uh joe biddle i'm you probably know because nowadays there's a million of us uh, talking heads out there on the YouTube. There's, you know, guys called Woogie and Joogie and all this stuff. And the, the thing about Joe Biddle, there, there weren't as many of those jobs. And the thing about Joe Biddle, he was one of those that was accepted and beloved by a lot of different fan bases. And uh, he wrote a lot about Tennessee. He wrote a lot about the SEC and he passed away yesterday after a long bout with uh, dementia and i will never forget when he called me and said uh, uh hey just casually like i'm it was almost like i'm gonna stop by mcdonald's do you want a big mac and said uh hey do you want to vote for the heisman do you have time i was like yeah i think i could work that in and so he just was a great guy i can tell you that um there were probably times where he didn't like young whippersnappers like me being in the way, um, but always treated me and young guys with respect as we were getting into the business. And for those Tennessee fans that are uh, 40 or older, they remember uh, Joe Biddle and he had a heck of a voice in Nashville and he headed up the uh, Tennessee area uh, for the Heisman voting. Now I believe that's Jimmy Himes who handles that. So just wanted to say, Hey, to lose him just, absolutely a fantastic guy so no really good transition into this but we'll get to message board bingo now message board bingo is your opportunity to win how about some chill pills from craft treats that's pretty awesome and if you want to go to crafttreats.com if you don't win let me tell you something about craft treats it's quality products pet treats for your pet dog or cat and you go to crafttreats.com, use 20% at checkout with the exclusive code off the hook. They've got the chill pills with the CBD that helps with digestive issues, also helps with anxiety. It will help as well with arthritis. And uh, they've got that, but they've got uh, so much more holistic, good 
pet treats that are phenomenal. So message board bingo. You tell us what team's message board this was posted on. And then what will we do? We'll hook you up with a gift certificate to craft treats. And if you don't have a pet, uh, we'll hook you up with Owl's Nest Barbecue. Here we go. We don't need a CEO coach. We need a CEO coach. Higher strength and conditioning coach. Wait. KDS. You lost me. We don't need a CEO coach, but we need a CEO coach. That's exactly what it says. <laughs> KDS was criticized for being a CEO coach. Fans say we need a play caller. Our coach now says, or the same fans say that our coach now needs to be a CEO coach. Truth. We need two strength and conditioning coaches, one specializing in physical and nutrition, two specializing in mental and maturity. Well, I mean, isn't that kind of what a team chaplain is supposed to be? Or I know they have sports psychologists. I mean, what big time school doesn't have that? Obviously, this fan on the message board has no idea if they do or don't, because that's why he's going to spend spending time on a message board. All right. Can we get a hint on that one? Uh, SEC. Okay, I think I know it. I think I know it. You got 10 seconds. 10 seconds SEC. So basically they need their players to receive mental counseling. Is that what we're saying? Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> don't we all need mental counseling? Uh, counseling? Mental, yes, mental ca- counseling. Um, all right, what do you got? So we've got A&M. Yes, A&M. Texas A&M. All right, so email me at Dave at Off the Hook Sports. And we had somebody else, too. Um, we had somebody else that said that they had um, one yesterday, Smoky Mountain Red. Did you email me at uh, Dave at offthehooksports.com. I think you did, and I think that passed that along, so we will hook you up. Um, be glad to do that. Uh, I want to remind you, Alice Nest Barbecue in that Oodawa area has all of your barbecue supplies. It is right off the interstate. They've got the rubs, the sauces. They've got it all at Alice Nest Barbecue, and Alice Nest Barbecue also has what? They've got the Green Mountain Grill. Tell them Off the Hook Sports sent you again off the hook sports sent you that green mountain grill is phenomenal it's like the set it forget it with the pellets awesome so there you go she's amanda lafrod i'm dave hooker this has been a presentation of off the hook sports